All right. What's going on, Faith Church? Welcome, everybody. Y'all didn't know I was in the movie, didn't you? Go on. Check the, check the credit scenes. I'm there. I'm there. Hey, listen, my name is Steve Husky, and I am the lead pastor here at Faith Church. And on behalf of our team, man, we just want to welcome all of you to our Faith Church family. We're glad that you guys are here. To all of you watching online, and especially, man, our first-time guests, if you're new here, welcome. We hope, man, today for all of us is truly life-changing. We are starting one of our favorite series of the year, God at the Box Office. Anybody a fan? We, uh, we get amped up every year for this. We love to do things big. We love to create environments that are relevant to people. And uh, maybe you're here and you, the thought of playing movies in church is kind of freaking you out. Maybe you were raised in a very conservative home and you weren't even allowed to watch Jurassic Park and here we are playing scenes of it in church. Or uh, maybe you're not a church person and the thought of a, uh, a church playing movies is kind of different to you. I just want you to know why we do it, right? Jesus, one of the ways that he taught is he did something, used something called parables, that he would take, teach things and take things that were very familiar to society and culture and he would leverage them to teach spiritual principles. So what we're doing is we're taking movies, something that all of us love to watch, and we're going to pull out some principles that are there found first in God's words, and we're just using the movies as a way to exemplify the principles so that we can apply God's word to our life and live the life that he wants us to live. So how many movie people do we have in the house? How many movie lovers we got? All right. Let me ask the question because everybody knows you can't go into the movies empty-handed. You're going to take something with you. If you have to pick, if you got to pick candy or popcorn, which you taking? How many people are you going with popcorn instead of candy? How many people are going with candy instead of popcorn? How many people don't care what I say? You're taking it both and you're buying it from the dollar store. Come on, somebody. Woo! Thank you, Jesus. Isn't it, is it God-ordained, right, that there's a dollar general store close to every movie theater, or is that just me? I mean, I'll drive some distance, right? We, uh, we love it. So, hey, listen, I want us to, to pray, though, because as we step into this series, we are going to touch base in one of four movies over the next four weeks. Today, we're going to talk about the movie Jurassic Park. Now, think about this. Jurassic Park, in the month of June, last month, it celebrated 25 years. Isn't that crazy? 25 years old. Since Jurassic Park launched in June of 1993, there have since been four, uh, four other mo movies to follow, so there's five total. The craziest thing is the fifth one just launched June of last, uh, this year, just last month. How many people have seen the newest one? I heard it didn't do so well. I'm, I've not seen it yet, but I've seen all the other ones. And here's the crazy thing is, I don't know about you guys, but watching the previews for the newest Jurassic Park, all it did was solidify some of my deepest fears because, like, we love going to the beach, but anytime I get in ocean water, I'm just saying in the back of my mind, I know I'm getting on the plate of a shark. Like, you're climbing into the buffet line. And so this was in the, in the, in the preview. Did you guys see this? This, uh, this huge thing? Like, I thought about this every time I got in the water. In fact, one of the first days in the water, something brushed up against me. It could have been seaweed, but I'm pretty sure it was a shark. So I screamed, but then I felt like a sissy for screaming, so I played it off. I was like, ah, um. Because <laughs> people start looking at me. But anytime you're in the water, there's a chance you're going to get eaten. So say your prayers, make sure you're right with Jesus because you could be going to heaven sooner than you thought. That's right. Listen, I want us to pray because as much as we want to have fun and create relevant environments, at the end of the day, we want you and every person in this room to have an experience with God's presence and God's word because we believe that Jesus is the hope of the world. So let's pray. Ask God just to show up to us. Father, we love you. God, we thank you for who you are. God, we thank you that, God, your promise is to meet us here. And, Lord, regardless of where we've been, what we've been through, God, the challenges in front of us, God, the issues in our hearts and our lives, God, we know that your grace is always enough. So, Lord, speak to every heart. Change every life, including mine, in this room. In Jesus' name, and everybody who agreed said amen. 
So in November last year, we were out Black Friday shopping, and I don't know about you guys, but how many people know that sometimes when you go shopping, you come home with stuff you didn't plan on buying, especially when it's Black Friday. So we were out, and I came across a great deal for a 65-inch glass backboard basketball hoop for my son. And I thought, man, I mean, you can't do any better than 65-inch of glass. So I bought this thing, took it home, put it in the garage, and it had sat there for months because, you know, it was wintertime, you couldn't dig the hole. And when it was coming in the spring, it was time to put this thing together and put it up. So I got out the instructions, but really it wasn't instructions. It was like a manual, right? I mean, it was pages. And so I did what every good-blooded American does. I skipped the instructions, and I went right to YouTube, found the video, watched the video this guy put his up. And I'm just telling you, in that moment, I realized that I did not purchase a backboard. I purchased a part-time job because putting this thing up, I'm telling you, was going to be work. You had to dig a hole, and the hole had to be two foot by two foot, four foot deep. Now, I can tell by your absence of any kind of response that some of you have not touched a shovel in some time. But I'm just telling you, a four-foot hole, you're hitting China. I mean, like, you're close. So we had to dig this hole, had to put in the concrete, had to put, I mean, this thing was a monster to put together and to put up. During the whole process, and I got to give some props, there are several people that helped make that possible who helped me out, but I mean, I labored through the whole thing. I hated part of the process, but I got to be honest, when it was all finished, when it was up, the concrete was dry, it was level, the glass was hanging in the heavens, I had this moment of satisfaction. You know what I'm talking about? Like, I get that a lot when I finish a job, when I complete a task, like you stand back and you look at it, you're like, I did that. You know, I mean, you just feel good. Anybody here ever experienced that? You know, you close the deal, you finish the contract, you hand in the report, right? You paint the room, whatever it is, when you finish with what you're doing, anybody here feel that feeling of self-fulfillment, like you feel satisfied? How many people know what I'm talking about? Like, it's funny, even with children, when you're teaching them, you know, chores and having responsibility, they'll push back and they don't want to help out around the house sometimes. But it's funny. I know my kids, especially when they were younger, they may not have wanted to really do the chores, but it was funny. Almost any time they were done, they would want to come get you and show, dad, look how clean my room is. Dad, look how good I'm, you know, I vacuumed the house or whatever it was. Because again, all of us in this room, we have this, again, this fulfillment in our lives when we finish something. Now, did you all know that that comes from God? In fact, when you go all the way back to the beginning, God made everything, and in the beginning, it was all perfect. And do you know that in paradise, God gave man responsibility? Think about that. God gave people jobs all the way in the beginning. Maybe your thought of retirement one day, when everything's perfect in your life, you won't have to work anymore. In God's mind, when things are perfect, people are busy. In fact, check it out all the way back in Genesis chapter 2. In the creation story, it says this, Then the Lord God planted a garden in Eden in the east, and there he placed the man that he had made. Now, notice he didn't place man on the beach. He placed him in the field. Like we would say, God, put me, put me in Gulf Shores. Come on, somebody. Put me in Destin, 30A, somebody. No, God put man and God put woman. God put his creation in the middle of the garden that he had made. Now, I just want to say this real quick. I want you to notice that God puts man in a garden that he makes, and then it says this in verse 15, and the Lord God placed the man in the garden of Eden to tend it and watch over it. Now, I just want you to know something, that it's up to God to give gardens, but it's up to us to get fruit, which means that God will give us opportunities, but it's up to us to determine the outcome that God's going to put us in positions and God's going to give you opportunities, but it's up to us to manage them. It's up to us to steward them if we're going to get the outcome we want. 
Like God's not always going to come and give us the outcome. God's going to give us the opportunity. We got to leverage what he's given us to get what we want. Come on, somebody. And so he gives Adam and Eve, he gives them a garden. He puts them in the middle of it, and then he gives them these instructions. He said, I want you to tend it and watch over it. I mean, think about this. The first thing that God gave man wasn't rules, was responsibilities. Like he didn't create man and say, listen, don't do this and don't do this and don't do these five things and don't do these ten things. The very first thing that God gave Adam and Eve in a perfect paradise wasn't rules. It was responsibilities. Again, the responsibility was he put them in the garden. Everybody here read these last couple words. He put them in the garden of Eden to tend and watch over it. Come on, what did he do? To tend and watch over it. Now, there's a reason that God's word uses these two totally separate words, two totally separate ways to approach their garden experience. God says, listen, I want you to tend it, and I want you to watch over it. This word tend means to till the ground. I want you to work your garden. I want you to toil. I want you to, I want you to dig up the dirt. I want you to plant seed. I want you to water it. I want you to make sure that you're tending it and you're trying to produce a crop. This word watch over it is to guard it. I want you to safeguard it. I want you to keep anything bad from happening. What God is saying to Adam and Eve about the garden that he put him in the middle of, he's saying, listen, I, it's your responsibility to make sure things go good, and it's also your responsibility if things go bad. If you're taking notes, I'd say it this way. God wants us to have responsibility and to take responsibility. God wants you and I to have responsibility and to take responsibility. And that's not the same thing. See, all of us in this room, like, we're great at having responsibility. I mean, think about it. If I talk to you about your week that's coming up, here we are Sunday afternoon. We're going to go home and take a lunch. Some of you are going to take naps because that's what some church people do on Sundays. Come on. Whoop, whoop. Yeah. I don't, but I know I'm married to one. And uh, right, so you go home and you're going to get up at some point and you're ready to tackle the week. And if I ask all of you, we already have a week planned out of responsibilities. We have to run our kids to sports camps and we got to pick them up and we got to mow lawns and we have jobs to do. All of us in this room, we have no problem having responsibility. The problem is a lot of us, we have a very big issue of taking responsibility. We're okay making, making sure we're like doing our job. We just don't do a very good job when things break down. We want to blame everybody else. In fact, the greatest way that you can tell that you have a hard time taking responsibility when things go bad is that you play the blame game. Come on, we know what the blame game is. The blame game is when things break down, when the marriage isn't good, when the finances aren't together, when things are not healthy in your home, when the business is falling apart, when your job environment's toxic. What we do is we point at everybody else and say it's his fault, it's her fault, it's their fault. We don't have any problem having responsibility. We have problem taking responsibility. And the reason we don't take responsibility or the way we know we don't take responsibility is, again, the blame game. And we find the blame game happening the very first time all the way back in creation. In fact, some of you guys know the story. So, right, God tells Adam and Eve, I want you to guard the garden. Because he knew the enemy was going to try to come in. That's exactly what happened. If you know the story, Satan showed up. He came in and he deceived Adam and Eve. They didn't do a good job guarding the garden, so Satan made it in. They end up disobeying God. They broke the one rule that God gave them, and they ate from the tree that God said don't eat from. Then God shows up, and check out this conversation of the blame game. God asks Adam, hey, have you eaten from the tree whose fruit I commanded you not to eat from? 
Now I don't even need to go ahead because we all know Adam's response. It's all me, God. I did it. My fault. My bad. You're right, God. I, I knew I shouldn't have, but it was me. No, that's not what he said. What does he say? He says, it's the woman you gave me. That's a great excuse. I still use this one today. What it says is, God, like, that's not my fault. Like, I was working the garden, but things went sideways because of the woman you gave me. And I want you to notice here, he doesn't just blame the woman. He blames God. It's the woman that you gave me. So he's, he has no problem having responsibility of taking care of a garden, but he's got a lot of issue with taking responsibility when things go sideways. Now, I want you to see this. See, we, kids do this all the time. All you in this room, you have kids, especially through the preteen era, young, young kids, like you tell them, to do, tell them not to do something and they do it. Now, listen, I want you taking anything to drink in your room because you take it in your room, you're going to spill it. Don't take any drinks in your room. If you take a drink in your room, make sure it's not cherry Kool-Aid because cherry Kool-Aid spit stains and you would never get it out. And what did you do? Come on, what your kids do? They not only take something to drink in the room, they take a big old glass of cherry Kool-Aid. And they do exactly what you told them not to do. They not only take it in the room, but they spill it. And then they don't clean it up. They put an old pair of boxes on top of it so you don't see it. And about two weeks later, you go into the bedroom and you find in the corner a big old stain of cherry Kool-Aid. And when you ask your kid, son, tell me, did you spill the cherry Kool-Aid? Come on, there ain't no kid in the world that's ever like, you're right, it's me. I know you told me not to, but I, I just was so thirsty. And it was an accident. Please forgive me. No, kids don't do that. What do they do? They immediately play the blame game. They don't take responsibility for the mess. They blame people. Someone broke in in the middle of the night and kicked my cup of Kool-Aid over in my carpet. Like, it was my brother. It was my, we blame everybody else. We don't take responsibility. Here's the crazy part is, you might think it's natural for a kid to do it, but I want you to notice, Adam is a grown man, which means taking responsibility is not an age issue, it's a heart issue. You have to make a decision at some point in your life to begin to take responsibility for what's going wrong in your life. Like Adam, he just doesn't do it. And so thankfully, thankfully, the greater part of the human species steps on the scene and does the right thing. God looks at the woman and asks, hey, what have you done? Eve, like Adam said, it's your fault. Have you done it? I'm so glad Eve comes to her senses and owns it. It's my fault, God. No, women are just as bad as men. What does she say? Right? The serpent deceived me. Adam says, God, it's not my fault. It's the woman's fault. The woman says, it's not my fault, God. It's the, it's the Satan's fault. It's the serpent's fault. Because again, all of us in this room, again, man, we have responsibility. It's part of our life to work and to manage and to take care of families, to manage our health, to manage our finances, to manage all this stuff. And we don't have a problem having responsibility. But when things go south, when the marriage starts to break down, when the family unit starts to pull apart, when things start to go south in our business, we want to blame everybody else. We want to say, man, it's, it's those employees I have. It's that boss I have. It's that teachers. They don't like me. That's why I'm not getting A's. It's, it's my coach. It's my, and we blame everybody. It's my husband. It's my, it's my kids. It's, it's the stepkids that are in the marriage. They're pulling us apart. We blame everybody else. And I'm just telling you, listen, at some point, God wants all of us to take responsibility for our lives. Because the reality is, listen to this, it's easy to take credit for a success. It's easy when everything's going right, say, hey, that's me. That's my A. Man, my marriage, I'm just a great husband. It's easy when things go right, but it's difficult taking ownership for a failure. It's difficult 
taking ownership for faith. It's so easy to see when someone else is messing up. It's so easy to see coworkers that come in late and don't pull the weight. It's easy to see when your husband's not treating you the way you think you deserve to be treated. It's easy to see your teenagers when they're back-talking you and that they're the reason that your relationship's not healthy. It's easy to see everybody else's mistakes and problems and shortcomings. But at some point in our lives, God wants us to stop looking outward and look inward and for us to take responsibility for what's going on in our lives. Right. I'm just going to tell you something, guys. I, this, is, this is a challenge for all of us. We all do this. In fact, in the movie Jurassic Park, you watch the movie. If you've seen one of them, you've really seen them all because they're like all the same movie just played over with different, like kind of different characters. The whole heartbeat of the movie Jurassic Park is this. These scientists bioengineer dinosaurs, and they have this incredibly genius idea. Hey, let's make a petting zoo. Now, I'm just going to tell you, like, llamas sticking their head in your window and you feed them a carrot is cute. When it's a T-Rex sticking his face in your windshield, it's not cute anymore. So things go south, right? They raise up these dinosaurs. Things go south. Every movie, people get eaten. But you watch the movie. Everybody wants credit for the dinosaurs. Nobody wants credit. Nobody wants to take responsibility for people losing their life. In fact, if you watch the movie, it's the same every time. The scientists, you know what they do? Is they blame the company. Well, you, you wanted us to make the dinosaurs. The company, they point to the investors. Well, we're just doing what our investors want us to do to get them a return. The investors, they blame the consumers. We're just giving them what they want. Everybody's pointing at everybody else. We live in a society that is the same way. We blame government. It's our government. It's our president. It's Congress. It's who's sitting on the Supreme Court. It's my boss, it's my teacher, it's my husband, it's my wife, it's my kid. We blame everybody else. The reason I have an addiction is because my granddaddy was an alcoholic and my daddy was an alcoholic and I was raised in that environment. I was raised without a mom. I was raised without a dad. I was raised with both, but they were awful. It's just my kids, they're, out, they're running off the rail. We blame everybody else. And what God wants us to understand is at some point that while it's easy to take credit when everything's going okay, God wants us to own the bad. God wants us to take responsibility when things are not where they should be. Whether it's our home, our church, our company, our finances, whatever it is, God wants us to take responsibility. I'm just going to tell you, in my own life, it was crazy, like this past week, getting ready for this message, and we were going down again, we're on vacation, I had a great vacation, I bronzed up for you, this is all for you. It was perfect, weather was perfect, it wasn't too hot, the sand it's like powdered sugar between my toes. Enjoyed the beach. We're out in the waves. I mean, I'm just floating there. Perfect. On a float. Didn't get eaten the whole week. It was amazing. Went out, had fried shrimp. Anybody like fried shrimp? Fried shrimp. We had fried shrimp Monday and Tuesday. I think we had some more on Wednesday. We stayed in Thursday, but we had some more Friday. It was just a great week. I'm telling you, everything, it just couldn't have been better. It was my wife and our three kids, my two daughters, brought, they're in their 20s. They brought their boyfriends with them. That's another message. <laughs> and everything, I'm telling you, like, it just couldn't. I, so I struggle sleeping sometimes. I slept great almost every night. It was just great. One of the last nights, though, we're leaving the condo. We're getting ready to go out to dinner. And I had read something on Facebook just before we walked down. And so I wanted to tell my wife about it. So she knew it involved a family in our church, a situation they had. So I'll change the names to protect the innocent. But we're walking across the parking lot to my car. I look at my wife and I said, babe, 
did you see Bob and Lisa had an accident? And she said, where did it happen? And I said, in front of Joe's house. To which she said, where did it happen? And I said, in front of Joe's house. To which she said, where did it happen? And I said, in front of Joe's house. Because how many people know when you have to repeat something a few times, you get a little bit of attitude. And how many people know that attitude can be contagious in a marriage? So I got a little bit of attitude. So she got a little bit of attitude. And here's the crazy thing is I felt like in the moment I could not have been any clearer. Let me ask you a question for all of you that have been paying attention. Where did the accident happen? In front of Joe's house. Where's she at? It was that clear to me. Do I need to text it to you? I thought, are you deaf? No, I didn't say that because you don't want to say everything you're thinking when things are going south. But this, it's funny, like everything was great. We're walking across, and all of a sudden, have you ever gotten an argument with your spouse and you thought, we're fighting right now, aren't we? Like it just kind of snuck up on us. But here's the crazy thing. In my mind, I'm not owning this because I can't be any clearer than I was. Now for her, for whatever reason, I wasn't answering the question that she was asking. I, was, I just misunderstood her. So for her, she's like, she didn't do anything wrong and I didn't do anything wrong. So there was that time driving to the restaurant where you could hear people in the car clear their throat. That's when things are south. I'm just telling you, listen to me. I wasn't owning it and she wasn't on it. I was playing the blame game and she was playing the game. I was having responsibility and having a great marriage, but when things went south, I immediately blamed her. Here's what you have to hear is blame breeds continual brokenness. As long as you're pointing at somebody else, as long as you're putting it on the teacher, as long as you're putting it on your boss, as long as you're putting it on your coworkers, as long as you're blaming the church members sitting next to you, as long as we're putting it on the president, as long as we blame everybody else, nothing will get better because we're putting it on somebody else. What God wants us to do is put it on ourselves. Blame breeds continual brokenness, but ownership leads to an obligation to fix it. It's mine. It's my country. It's my church. It's my marriage. It's my home. It's my family. It's my finances. It's mine, and I'm going to make sure things get right, things get healthy, and things get back on track. I'm going to stop playing the blame game, and I'm going to put it back on myself because God doesn't want us just to have responsibility. Come on, say it. He wants us to take responsibility. So, man, this is a challenge, and for all of us in this room, Again, I know it's easy to see what everybody else is doing wrong. And so let me ask you a question. How's your marriage? How's your finances? How's your relationship with your kids? How's things in the business? How's our church? If your first thought is it would be better if they would stop or she would start, then you're playing the blame game. But if you'll say, that's, it's not my husband, that's my marriage. It's not that employee, it's my business, it's where I work. It's not my professor, it's my education. When you start taking ownership, life will begin to change. In fact, if you're taking notes, I'd say it this way, taking responsibility often leads to humility. Anybody here ever feel that there was a problem that you wanted to solve it, but you had no idea how? Like you saw the problem and you knew it needed to get bigger, but it just was too big for you. It wanted, like you wanted to change it. You wanted to work it out, but you had no idea how. Here's a promise that God makes to every one of us in this room. This is huge. Watch this. Here's what God says. And he gives grace. Everybody shout this word. Generously. Let's try that again. And he gives grace generously. That means that God is looking for people to pour out an abundant amount of grace on. Let me tell you what grace is. 
grace, the word grace literally means gifts. Like you have a daddy in heaven who wants to give you gifts. Specifically, his gifts are his strength, his enablement, his joy, his wisdom when you don't know what to do, his patience where yours runs out, his keeps on going. What God is saying is, I'm not trying to hold back what you need. God is saying, I'm generous with my grace. Like, I want to give it to you. It's not you don't get any and you don't get any and I'll just give you a little bit and you get a pinch and you, no, you're out and you're out and you're out. God's like, I want to give you some and I want to give you more than enough and I want to give you more than you could ever have. God's saying, I want to give you grace. Well, you know how you get grace? Watch this. As the scriptures say, God opposes, come on, say it, the proud. When you say that's not my fault, the marriage is going south because it's his fault. It's that husband you gave me, God. It's that wife. It's those kids. It's my coworkers. It's those other people I go to church with. That's why. God says, when you point out everybody else's fault and you refuse to recognize your role in your garden, God says, I stand against you. I oppose the proud. But here's the promise. But God gives grace to the humble. Think about that. Isn't that awesome? God says, when you see a situation and you begin to take responsibility, like my marriage isn't healthy, this situation is not good. God says, when you take ownership of that, God says, what that automatically will do, you're going to see a situation that's too big for you, just going to humble you, which is going to turn you to a God who's going to give you the grace that you need to turn that situation around. What I'm telling you is that God, he'll begin to give you wisdom where you didn't know how to handle it, you didn't know how to manage it. God is going to give you that wisdom where your patience ran out dealing with your kids who are back talking to you. God says, I'll give you grace. I'll extend your patience. I'll give you the, the ability. I'll give you the enablement. I'll give you the power. What God is saying is when you take ownership, it gives him an opportunity to give you the grace you need to change the situation around. I'm just telling you, that's an incredible promise that God gives us. So what area in your life have you blamed other people for? That maybe today God is saying it's time to take responsibility. When you go through, here's the real challenge, I think, is that there are times in our lives that Maybe we're in a situation, if we're honest, it's not mine at all. Like, I didn't do anything. Do you know God sometimes puts us in certain places to work? God puts us in certain churches. God puts us in certain relationships where truly we didn't contribute to it at all. But God still puts you in that situation so you could take responsibility. In fact, listen to this. Even if you're not responsible for the condition, you can still be responsible for the correction. You know, raising kids is, is tough, especially when they're young. I had never held a baby. When we had our first child, that was the first time I ever held a baby, which is not good. <laughs> My wife told me later that when she would leave and leave me with our baby, that she was scared, which gave me the opportunity to admit to her, baby, when you left me with a baby, I was scared too. Because, <laughs> I mean, you know, I mean, they're just afraid you're going to break them. And, and babies do just a couple of things. Babies eat and sleep, and fill up their diapers. Now listen, I'm not responsible for that condition. I did not put that in your diaper. But I'm still going to take responsibility for it. When you got kids running crazy through your house and they create messes, every time you clean a mess up, toddlers tear it up again. Listen, you don't look at a kid and be like, listen, you, that's it. 
It's your mess. You clean it up. They're toddlers. They don't know how to get out of a sweeper. They don't know how to load a dishwasher. What do you do? We come behind them. Even though we're not responsible for the condition of a dirty house, we take responsibility to make it better. I'm just telling you, listen, what would happen if every one of us in this room, if we just not took responsibility for our life, what if we started taking responsibility for the situations God put us in, that we were going to be the difference makers. We were going to be the light bringers. We were going to be the ushers of grace to change things and make them better. Let me say it this way. Sometimes maybe people walk into this church and this is a testimony we get a lot. And I'm, as a pastor, I'm thankful that this happens. Every week we have first-time guests show up. And often people will say this. We had a great experience. People greeted us. People shook our hands. They showed us where to go. They loved us. Like I felt like I mattered. I felt like I fit. It felt like family. And we love to hear stories like that. But maybe you're here and that's not your story. Maybe your story is like I showed up and nobody talked to me. Like I showed up and I had no idea where to go. I felt like an outcast. I'm not even sure I'm coming back. And maybe you come in right now and you show up and nobody talks to you and you sit down and you sing some songs and you listen to a message and you go home and you think, I'm not so sure about faith church. Well, maybe just maybe God puts you in this church not to point fingers at other people who aren't greeting you, but to make sure you take responsibility that no other person is going to walk up into this house and not be loved on because I'm going to be here. God put me here to be the difference maker. God put me here to be the change agent. What if, listen, if you don't like what's going on in the nursery, listen, go pick up a baby. Love kids the way you want kids to be loved. If you want production to go to another, take responsibility. Even if you didn't create the condition, be the one who brings the correction. I'm going to make Faith Church a great church. I'm going to make sure it's the fastest growing, healthiest, soul winningest church that ever happened. We're going to make sure that Northwest Alabama and Middle Tennessee is reaching people and connecting them to God. And other. If nobody else is doing it, I'm going to be a giver. I'm going to be a prayer. I'm going to be a person who shows up because I'm going to take responsibility even if it wasn't mine. What would happen if you begin to take responsibility? One of the things that I love to see and I've seen more of in the last several years is that there are several families in our church that have adopted or have opened up their home for foster care. Now, I'm just going to tell you, those people to me are just heroes. Like, I'm not sure I want my own kids some days. Come on. And you have children who are raised and born into drug addiction and broken homes. And these families who are part of our faith family, they had nothing to do with those kids being born. Had nothing to do with the home life they had. They were not responsible for the condition of those kids at all. But you know what they said? I'm going to be responsible for the correction. And they've opened up their homes. And they're making an impact and a life change where it wasn't their responsibility, but they made it theirs. So what would happen? What would happen if you stopped playing the blame game? That my life would be better if it wasn't for my boss if it wasn't for my spouse, if it wasn't for my kids, if it wasn't for our society, if it wasn't for the culture I'm in. Like, I don't care what anybody else does. I don't care how society acts. I'm gonna love people and treat them with respect regardless of their background, their sex, their color, their creed, their religion. I'm gonna treat people the way I wanna be treated. I'm gonna love people regardless of what anybody else is doing. Other people may stand on the street corner and yell hate. Other people may stand on the street corner and point people out. I'm gonna love people. I don't care what anybody else does. I'm gonna take responsibility. I'm going to take responsibility for my marriage. I'm going to take responsibility for my home life. I'm going to take responsibility for my finances. I'm not going to blame anybody else. It's mine and I'm going to have responsibility and I'm going to take responsibility. What would happen if you began taking responsibility? You know what would happen? 
God would begin to pour out grace that you could change situations and turn them around and have the life that God's always wanted you to have. Let's pray. Father, God, I pray in Jesus' name that, Lord, everybody in this room, as busy as our lives are and as full as they are with responsibility, God, it's so easy when things go south. It's so easy when relationships break down and situations fall apart for us to begin to blame others. But, Lord, I pray in Jesus' name that, God, this day we would make the choice to take responsibility. And, Lord, I pray, God, as we do that, that, God, every person in this room, every person watching online would begin to experience, God, a generous amount of grace to turn those situations, to make life the way you wanted us to have it. So, Father, I pray, God, help us, Lord, not just to have responsibility, but to take responsibility in Jesus' name. And everybody who agrees, said amen. Hey, listen, next week, if you're an Avengers fan, I promise you, you're going to want to be in the house. Next week is going to be epic. It's going to be amazing. So make sure you get some friends, family members here. We'll see you guys next week for week two of God at the box office.